One of the great expectations of the Christian faith is that in what we know as the last days, the Jewish people will restore their temple in Jerusalem. The Apostle Paul prophesied in the New Testament in 2 Thessalonians 2.4 that the Antichrist will oppose and exalt himself above everything that's called God or is worshipped so that he'll set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Well, as of today, we don't yet have the rebuilt temple. But you know Bible prophecy fulfillments are moving forward quickly when the Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem, known as the Kohanim in Hebrew, stage a dress rehearsal reenactment of the Passover offering. And this time it was conducted with a tent-like structure decorated to resemble the holy temple itself. In fact, one might even venture to say it looked like a makeshift temple. So are you awake yet, people of God? The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. Recently, while Israelis headed to the polls for the fourth time in two years to vote for national elections, a reenactment of the Passover temple service was held very near to Jerusalem's Temple Mount. A stage was set up near the Dung Gate in Jerusalem's sacred old city. Rabbi Yisrael Ariel, founder and head of Jerusalem's famous Temple Institute led the emerging priesthood in reenacting the temple service and the Passover offering. These priestly commandments in the Bible have not been performed for 2,000 years, but are now being resuscitated in our generation. Joining Rabbi Ariel were many other notable rabbis and teachers representing various temple organizations. The reenactment took place about 10 meters from the controversial Temple Mount, and it resumed reenactments which were put on hold last year due to coronavirus restrictions. According to Israel 365 News, city health ordinances prevented the participation of live lambs in the ceremony. And at the conclusion, a previously slaughtered and prepared lamb was roasted in an open oven, according to the Torah commandment to roast the lamb whole. A Temple Institute photographer took hundreds of photographs, many of which were posted publicly on Facebook. In Temple times, the Passover offering was sacrificed on the afternoon immediately preceding the Passover Seder. And this we learn both from the Hebrew Scriptures and also from the New Testament. This is because Jesus died at the time of the afternoon or evening sacrifice. And the Torah commands in Exodus 12, 6, the entire congregation of Israel shall slaughter the sacrificial animals in the afternoon, the twilight. Then the blood of the sacrifices was drained into gold or silver basins, which were swiftly taken by temple priests, forming what the Temple Institute described as an ancient bucket brigade. 
The consecrated vessels were passed in a relay until the final priest dashed the blood against the altar. Once this had been accomplished, pilgrims descended the Temple Mount and roasted their offerings in outdoor ovens that were set up in courtyards throughout ancient Jerusalem. According to the Bible, the Passover offering had to be eaten in Jerusalem. And in Bible times, the offerings were accompanied by the Levitical choir singing the Hallel Psalms of praise. And all of this was depicted in this year's reenactment. In addition, the reenactment included wearing priestly garments, purification of the priest's hands and feet at a biblical-style copper laver, reciting the priestly blessing, and the kindling of the golden menorah, cleaning the seven oil lamps of the golden menorah, replenishing its oil and rekindling the menorah, were part of the daily service in the temple performed by the Kohanim. Over a decade ago, temple activists first began holding Passover sacrifice reenactments. And actually, I can remember these activities to hasten the rebuilding of the third temple were talked about for decades. But the idea of reviving temple sacrifices has been perceived in the past in Israel as extremism that might incite Muslim retaliation. And so civil authorities refused to grant permits to hold the ceremony in Jerusalem. The police actively prohibited attempts to bring sheep into the old city for sacrifice. But the mood is changing. A spokesman for the various temple organizations explained to Israel 365 News that a senior police officer approached him a few weeks ago, enthusiastically inquiring about plans for this year's resumption of the Passover ceremony. He said the police and the Jerusalem municipality now view the rehearsal as another totally acceptable public happening, an event they want to see take place. And the amazing thing is that they actually referred to it in terms of temple service. Apparently, even mainstream media have begun to accept temple preparation activities, not as a fringe idea, but an important aspect of the Jewish state. The spokesman for the event added prophetically that it seems clear one day, sooner than we imagine, that the sacrifices will happen on the Temple Mount itself and no one will think it's an extremist event. In truth, he said, anyone who reads the Bible knows this is our ongoing history. The ceremony was accompanied by blasts from long silver trumpets, especially prepared, revived, and designed for the third temple. Even our ministry has made use of similar silver trumpets, for example, supplied to us by an ultra-Orthodox Jew when we held a Tabernacle of David celebration in the city of David's Gihon Spring, where the Tabernacle of David once originally stood. This month, musicians played songs based on the Halal service, a prayer service composed of verses from Psalms, and all this took place at the tent-like temple facsimile while the Passover sacrifice was being enacted. The previously prepared sacrifice was roasted whole on a long pomegranate branch in the manner described in the Torah, and it was served to guests who gathered to witness the reenactment in a limited number due to coronavirus limitations. 
All of this was in accordance with Exodus chapter 12 and verse 8, stating, They shall eat the meat that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. One of the organizers pointed out that he believed it was important to hold the Passover sacrifice, called in Hebrew the Korban Pesach, even as a reenactment in order to bring an end to the present pandemic. This is because he pointed out that the original Passover sacrifice offered in Egypt on the night before the Exodus was intended to stop the final plague against the firstborn, which was described as a disease. And furthermore, King David had purchased the Temple Mount, built an altar, and offered a sacrifice to stop a plague. Rabbi Hillel Weiss, the former spokesman for the reconstituted Sanhedrin Council of Rabbinic Sages, took part in the ceremony, and he praised its success in several aspects. But he emphasized that the fact that the ceremony happened to take place on the same night as Israel's national elections underscores the message of Passover. Rabbi Weiss said, God did not take us out of Egypt to establish a democracy. He said the entire point of the Exodus is for the people to serve the Almighty, which Israel could never do in slavery in Egypt, and which, he said, Jewish people cannot even do in freedom in places like America. He added, our service of God is not dependent on which person sits in any government. This is true of any man of God anywhere in the world, he said. Furthermore, and this is very prophetic for the end times, Rabbi Arieh Stern, chief rabbi of Jerusalem, ruled that the Korban Pesach, the Passover sacrifice, is incumbent upon the Jewish people even in our present times, even in the absence of a temple building, even, he said, in the absence of a red heifer cow, which is necessary in order to make ashes to purify Israel. But he stipulated that the sacrifice may only be performed on the Temple Mount, but the only obstacle to actually performing that Passover service, he said, is the government's present refusal to permit it to take place. So now all of this is happening prophetically in Israel, while the world is increasingly moving towards a one-world government and a new world order. Israel has undoubtedly become a beacon of humanitarian and medical breakthroughs and now has set itself on a controversial course to lead the world as the first vaccinated nation against the coronavirus. And the world looks on and thinks, Israel could never allow its people to be objects of medical experimentation, especially after the evils of the Holocaust. So if they're going down this path of national vaccinations, everything must be okay. But as Christian allies and friends of the Jewish people, we need to pray and to discern that we and they are not being duped into accepting any procedure that could turn out to be potentially dangerous later down the road. We know that Jesus himself preached over and over again that deception will be the number one end-time danger. And even the elect would be deceived, he said, if it were possible. It's prophesied that Israel will temporarily enter into a covenant of death with the future Antichrist. 
That's according to Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. But the covenant will be broken by Antichrist, and they will recover from that deception, having been kept and delivered by the God of Israel. Hallelujah. So I ask today, if already temple service enactments are happening now, how far away can the rebuilding of the temple actually be? How far away can the desecration of the future temple of God be? Furthermore, lately some Muslim leaders have come out and admitted that the Temple Mount really belongs to the Jews and that Muslims should be concentrating on their own holy city of Mecca. And one of the dramatic changes that the Abraham Accords peace treaty with the Emirates and Bahrain carried on its wings is religious normalization in the form of Muslim tourism to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. In the past, the Temple Mount has been the epicenter of the ongoing conflict between Judaism and Islam. But now, out of the Abraham Accords, it is supposed to become a place of bridge building and connecting with Jewish and Israeli visitors and tourists from all over the world mingling at the holy site. Tourists from the United Arab Emirates and later perhaps from Saudi Arabia, Morocco, and other countries lining up to make peace with Israel. Muslim pilgrims from Islamic countries such as Malaysia and Indonesia, which do not presently recognize Israel, have been visiting in recent years. Meanwhile, the powers of darkness hope that because God has been regathering the Jewish people all in one place again, they can more easily be eliminated in another Holocaust. But the Jewish people will be easier to defend when God has them together in the palm of his hand. Now, having shown how Bible prophecy is going forward at breakneck speed, Let's examine for a moment from a biblical and New Testament point of view the importance of the Passover to us as believers. Passover is a divinely appointed week to believe and recognize and celebrate the mercy of God. And let's pray that the death angel will pass over and that the power of any plague will be broken during Holy Week of Passover and Resurrection Sunday. According to God's word in Exodus 12:13. The Lord made a great promise. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Believers in Messiah Jesus are very grateful that during Passover and Holy Week, he willingly donated his spotless blood as an offering, an atonement, so that God will pass over our sins when we put our faith in him. After all, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 18 to 19 declares, for you know that you were redeemed, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Messiah, as of a lamb without spot or blemish. And in Exodus chapter 12, 22, we read the following Passover instructions. To take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood, and strike it on the two doorposts and the lintel of your home, and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. This year, there are still coronavirus restrictions in Israel, and last year, all over the internet, the Jewish people shared a prophecy by a Jewish sage made more than 750 years ago when they were all in lockdown. 
and he had prophesied that the future redemption, referring to the times of the Messiah, will resemble the eve of the redemption in Egypt, and that you won't be able to leave the front door steps. When the Jewish people talk like this, it can only mean that our King Messiah Jesus, Yeshua, is coming back very soon. While there's so much symbolism fulfilled in the Passover meal, which was the Last Supper of Jesus, much truth about him is memorialized in the Seder. The empty chair, the Elijah cup, the striped and pierced unleavened bread, the shrouded, hidden, broken third piece of matzah bread that's discovered by children at the end of the meal as the dessert, and Messiah standing at the open door. Every year is like a dress rehearsal for the coming of the Lord. So far, there's still a missing element, the deep cries and mourning of the pierced and rejected Messiah, as prophesied by Zechariah. But it will come because God has exalted his word above his name. During Holy Week, now is the time to hear his voice and to make authoritative decrees in prayer, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's important always to remember that Passover is a celebration of freedom. And oh, how we need to preach freedom in an increasingly totalitarian mindset world. The concept of freedom is one of the most important gifts that Judaism has given to civilization. Passover, when God ended Jewish slavery, introduced the concept of freedom into the human vocabulary in a way that would never be forgotten. And it's not a coincidence that colonial America saw the British monarch as a Pharaoh figure and inscribed on the Liberty Bell the biblical phrase, proclaim liberty throughout the land. It's not a coincidence that black slaves in America sang in one of their most powerful spirituals, go down Moses, way down in Egypt land, tell all Pharaohs to let my people go. And Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. used similar biblical phrases during the civil rights movement. Even the movement to free Soviet Jewry also used the biblical words, let my people go in their struggle for freedom. After all, the desire to be free is one of the most powerful of all human emotions, enshrined forever as a divine command in the book of Exodus. And freedom is surely a divine gift that we need to cherish. On the Hebrew calendar, the month of Nisan is indeed the first month, for it's the month of freedom, the time when we celebrate freedom as the gift of God and keep the hope of freedom alive for all humanity. And in New Testament parlance, we have been set free from the slavery of sin. What did John the Baptist mean when he pointed to Jesus, the Messiah, and proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. To understand, we have to know about those temple sacrifices that the Israelis are currently reenacting. Those sacrifices were for what? For sins. And those sacrifices went back to the law of Moses and were prefigured when Abraham offered up his only son Isaac as a near sacrifice. During the Egyptian exodus to be saved from the angel of death, the Israelites had to eat the Passover lamb and daub its blood on their lentils and doorposts, thus prophetically forming a cross. It was a foreshadowing of the blood of the ultimate lamb of God on the altar of the cross. 
Now let's fast forward to the last Seder, the last supper of Yeshua, the Passover meal. At the meal, he was the Lamb of God. Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, said longingly, with great desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Jewish families always enjoy the food and fellowship of the Passover meal, which is called a Seder, meaning order, because there's a liturgy with the meal commemorating Israel's deliverance from slavery. Although Jesus was falsely accused of being a glutton and drunkard, he was not a man normally given to appetite. Yet the record says, expressing intense desire, Yeshua especially desired and looked forward to eating this last Passover meal. And there are four accounts of its institution in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of Luke, it's recorded that Jesus said to his disciples, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall not eat this meal again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. That's a Hebraism, with desire I have desired, spoken by our Lord, meaning I have desired most earnestly. So now let's try to imagine some of the many reasons why Yeshua intensely desired this meal. Well, first of all, as a child and an adult, for three decades, he had enjoyed going up to Jerusalem for this festive meal, as was his family's custom. So many memories and thoughts were in his mind as he contemplated the deep significance of all that the meal commemorated. Progressively, he had come to realize that he would be the prophetic fulfillment, even the embodiment of all of the Passover elements. Because he knew he was about to die and leave them, Jesus was desirous of fellowship with his disciples and partaking with them one of the privileges of their Jewish heritage. Because Jesus was, after all, human as well as God, and as Israel's greatest native son, he never undervalued the festivals of the Lord. He appreciated the blessings also of social events, because after all, his first miracle was performed at a wedding in Cana. One of the great joys of life is looking forward to a gathering around a table with the people we love. But also, very importantly, he would physically draw strength from this meal to be able to endure the ordeal he knew he would be facing within a few hours. A trumped-up trial, flogging, and execution. Secondly, Yeshua had on his mind this opportunity to prepare the apostles for his sufferings and to impress upon them more fully the certainty that he was soon to be betrayed and crucified, that they might be mentally, emotionally, and physically prepared for the shock and ordeal. I think the third and greatest reason that Yeshua greatly desired to host his Passover Seder is that he was prepared to change its script, the ancient liturgy. He intended to institute the Lord's Supper, a most solemn and awesome event. For centuries, the Jews had said, describing the unleavened bread, this is the bread of affliction. Now Yeshua would amplify the bread of affliction with its full meaning, saying, this is my body broken for you. Even today, the unleavened bread called matzah is pierced through and striped like the body of Jesus that was broken, bruised, and striped during his passion 
to make atonement for the sins of mankind. And concerning the cup of wine, Yeshua changed the liturgy to say, this is my blood of the new covenant. In Hebrew, the new covenant is Brit HaHadashah, fulfilling the Bible prophecy of Jeremiah 3131, that God would make a new covenant with the house of Israel. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he said he would not drink it again until this Seder would be changed into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thus, the Passover Seder will undergo two glorious changes. The meal commemorating Israel's exodus from Egypt was upgraded to the Lord's Supper, commemorating our exit from sin, and ultimately it will culminate in the marriage supper of the Lamb, when God's eternal purposes will be victoriously culminated. Then will be sung the song of Moses and the Lamb. And then will Messiah and his true followers be assembled from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. At Yeshua's Passover observance in the upper room, all of this would not be easily comprehended. His words were also new and radical, yet it was the plan of God from the foundation of the world. All of the Lord's sufferings were the expression of love to his people and concern for their welfare and redemption. Clark's commentary on the Bible also explains the dimension of love, underscoring the Lord's thoughts when he said, with desire I have desired. Our Lord's meaning seems to be that having purpose to redeem a lost world by his own blood, he ardently longed for the time in which he was to offer himself up. Such love Jesus bore, not only for Israel, but for the entire human race. So his Eucharistic Passover was celebrated by way of anticipation of the deliverance of all of God's chosen people. The heavy burden of the Lord upon Jesus in that hour would have been incredible. For this was no ordinary Passover Seder. He would orchestrate it, bringing out great doctrinal truths, and in the mix, he would also take time and effort to teach his squabbling disciples who was the greatest by setting the example. Jesus took a tower and basin of water and stooped down and washed their feet. And as if all of this were not enough, as the host at the table, he also had the sad business of dealing with his betrayer. Matthew 26, 21 records, as they ate, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And then he offered the best morsel from the table to his betrayer, Judas. Well, there's much more to share with you at our website, exploits.tv, for news on current and end-time events regarding both the nation of Israel in these last days and the church. Our ministry is called Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32, which declares... The people who know their God will be strong and carry out exploits. I hope you'll find me on social media. And don't forget, download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app for your phones or tablets so that you can watch our free large video library whenever you want. Today, I want to leave you with a verse concerning the Lord Jesus as our Korban Pesach, our Passover sacrifice. 
because 1 Corinthians 5, 7 declares, Messiah, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Indeed, the Passover lamb was a type of Messiah, and Jesus, Yeshua, is the sum, substance, and fulfillment of that shadow. Amen. The grace of the Lord be with you. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. The Lord is at hand, Maranatha. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Shalom. I'm Christine Darg.